0: The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They are not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today,
1: on the lab report, Dr. Dan Kalish.
0: Yeah, the Dan Kalish from the Kalish Institute.
1: And we're going to address the age-old question of where to start.
0: The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to The Lab Report. Start in the beginning, right?
1: Yeah. With the pre chicken.
0: Oh, not the egg?
1: No, the egg comes next. Then the chicken? I forget. Hello!
0: Hi, Michael Chapman.
1: Hi, Patty Devers. How are you?
0: Crushing it today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Wow. And you know what? What? I appreciate you asking.
0: Hmm. I'm, like, I'm nice like that.
1: Well, this is a podcast called The Lab Report, brought to you by Genova Diagnostics, where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and the like.
0: And if you like the show, you know, I say this every single episode, go to iTunes, Spotify, blah, 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 the uh-huh. usual drill. Yeah. But really, just subscribe. <laughs> That's all <laughs> we care st- about. Hit the stars. <laughs> but We, we also, want your number. We also like the feedback. There's some really nice feedback on iTunes.
1: People are nice. I know. People that listen to this show are nice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and we appreciate that. And we also appreciate all the feedback that you've given us via podcast at gdx.net.
0: Nice. Thanks. Well... We love those emails and we're so grateful for all of them. And today we're gonna have some fun with the famous Dr. Dan Kalish, friend of the show.
1: And this is his second time on and it's always great to have Dr. Kalish on because he's just so knowledgeable, he's so adept at interpreting functional medicine tests. Um, And we're gonna ask him all about nutrition, where he starts, uh, how to dig in a little bit deeper to some of these concepts, how to communicate that to patients.
0: You know, Michael, Hmm. interpreting functional lab tests is such a hard skill. Yeah. Like we hone that skill for years. And here we are just really starting to fully understand it. And Dan Kalish is one of those guys who's able to take a ridiculous amount of information and fully understand it immediately and implement it into practice.
1: It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing what he's been able to put together at the Kalish Institute. Um, And we should not waste any more time. We should just uh, give him a ring. Hey, Patty.
0: Hey, what?
1: Today we have... Dr. Daniel Kalish. No, we don't. Yeah, we do. Okay. serious. Cool. Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Kalish. Dr. Dr. Daniel Kalish is founder of the Kalish Institute, an online training program dedicated to building functional medicine practices. Since 2006, the Kalish Institute has helped develop practice models for over 1,000 practitioners worldwide. Dr. Kalish also leads an online mentorship program in functional medicine that emphasizes clinical application and program design skills. Graduates of the Kalish Institute include practitioners ranging from Dr. Morcola's medical staff to Mayo Clinic and Cleveland Clinic physicians. In 2016, Kalish published a research study on the Kalish method with Larry Bergstrom, founder and director of the Integrative Medicine Department, Mayo Clinic Scottsdale, and Sue Cutshaw, Division of General Internal Medicine, Mayo Clinic Rochester. He is also the author of 3 books: The 5 Pillars to Building a Successful Practice, The Kalish Method, Healing the Body, Mapping the Mind, and Your Guide to Healthy Hormones, and is frequently requested speaker for integrative medicine conferences across the United States. And with that,
0: welcome. Thank Dan. you so much
1: for being here.
2: Uh, thanks for having me back.
0: I appreciate it.
1: Yeah.
3: Well,
0: it is great to have you back, Dr. Killish. And in this episode, we'd like to spend some time today focusing in on nutrition. And you have been a big proponent of incorporating nutritional testing into your teachings and your practice. Why do you feel that testing is so important? Well, you know, I
2: couldn't in good conscience sit down with a patient and talk to them if I didn't have... A nutritional test already done. That's how important it is. Like, I don't even know what the conversation would be about <laughs> if I didn't have the lab. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be like going to see your regular doctor. Let's say that you were worried about heart disease and everyone in your family, this is true for me actually, my grandmother's 11 brothers and sisters, they all dropped out of heart attacks. So we're mm. worried about heart disease. And if I went to see my conventional physician and she looked at me and said. I don't know. kind of looks like you need a statin, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe. And and she prescribed a drug. Would I take it? No, it would be a crazy town, right? (laughs) There has to be a test to understand what's going on in terms of human physiology and function. And I feel like in functional medicine, we're under the same rubric, right? If you don't have a test, how can you know what to even talk to the patient about?
0: True, yeah. very true. Yeah,
1: and I think it's very common for clinicians to just sort of, you know, they've got their baseline supplements that they're going to start people with interventions and then mm-hmm. tailor that based on the clinical presentation. And that's, that's not exactly, you know, an accurate science per se, knowing how much people are different.
2: Yeah, I have advocated for the whole time I've been in practice, I only prescribe supplements based on labs. I tell that to every patient and patients love that Mm. patients are come to me because of that, because they've tried everything randomly Mm. and either from their own research, which means searching on the internet or from, uh, or from other doctors and it just doesn't work. Right. The the Mm. thing is, it's not that it's not like lab, lab guided nutrition is better. It just works better
3: Mm.
2: clinically. Mm -hmm. So, why would you make your results not as good by just guessing it just doesn't make any sense to me logically the only thing that comes in the way and i'll tell you that i hear this from doctors all the time is i'm gonna is that it's expensive they whine they're like oh the testing is so expensive (laughs) i can't get patients to pay for the test and that's again back to my cardiologist would i balk at paying for some blood work to see if i need a statin or not no of course Mm -hmm. not so Mm -hmm. if you're not testing every single patient with something like a NutriVal, then you're not explaining things very well. Mm-hmm. Is it more of a communication problem right. you know, than anything?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you just mentioned it, and as, as you may have heard, we recently relaunched our newly redesigned NutriVal profile with some new components. Um, oftentimes, new clinicians get overwhelmed by the size of a, a functional nutrition assessment like the NutriVal. So what's your approach in, in overcoming this kind of growth curve with a test this size?
2: Yeah, I break it down in the beginning. The beginning to me is like your first three to five years of practice, into clinically actionable sections of the test that are going to yield the most beneficial results in terms of you building your practice and helping people. So, I, and then, and so by category, I would look at it as cellular energy, mitochondrial function, mm-hmm. and all the things that relate to that, from magnesium to amino acids to B vitamins. Mm-hmm at um, neurotransmission, because it's pretty important to get your brain working. Mm -hmm. Again, that's amino acids and neuroinflammatory markers, all that kind of stuff. And then um, detoxification, because it's important to get toxins out. So if we just chunk it down to those three things, how are your mitochondria, how's your brain, how are your detox pathways, then that's a conversation that any clinician can have in their first few, few years of practice. And then you're just combing through the test to find the areas that relate directly to those three areas. Mm. And for patients, it's also less overwhelming because they know that you're working on their cellular energy, their brain, and their detox pathways. Mm. And you don't have to get into the weeds on each individual marker, but you can have this more global presentation. And then the treatments come from that, right? So then what are you going to treat? You're going to treat your mitochondria, your brain, and your um, and, and anything to do with detox. Right. I mean,
0: it is a good base for new yeah. clinicians. And then eventually they start to geek out like you do in the biochemistry. So it's a good place to start and then build on that. Um, but even with that, many clinicians just order a nutritional test that measures nutrients directly, like serum B12, for example. Can you speak to what makes a functional nutritional evaluation more insightful clinically?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, when honestly, like when I was learning how to do this stuff 30 years ago, the whole point was strictly to find nutritional deficits that were expressing themselves in a way that mattered physiologically, that mattered in terms of patient symptoms.
3: Hmm.
2: And so that was the whole point of developing functional medicine, you know, as a profession was that we're looking for functional expression of problems Mm -hmm. prior to the onset of a true pathology. And so you can't get I mean, the whole, the whole point of these tests and why they're special and why they're different is because you're able to see when the physiology is not working properly, which is what clinicians need to know versus just what's circulating in the bloodstream, which is helpful information, but it doesn't give you the depth of understanding to mm-hmm. see. And a common example would be you can have circulating levels of a B vitamin that are perfect. If the ha- person has certain SNPs, that's not going to be nearly sufficient for them to have normal cellular function, right? So Mm -hmm. we're more interested in cellular function than we are in what's floating around in the blood. Yeah, it's
0: that personalized approach too.
1: Yeah, and oftentimes what they're looking for with these reference ranges like in the serum is they're looking for like that frank, long-standing deficiency, you know, like the vitamin D ranges are looking out for things like, you know, rickets rickets and, and stuff like that. We're not looking for something that might be suboptimal, but still leading to dysfunction.
2: Yeah, there's this article I read last week on latency onset. Have you seen that? This is, oh, it's a beautiful article. I'll send you guys a copy of it. But it's this this doctor, I think it's Heenan, Heenan, uh, anyways, H-E-A-L something. And um, he talks about it in just such a beautiful way because he talks about how there's been this focus on this acute symptomatology that develops from these, you know, just outrageously ridiculous deficiencies. It's like someone's literally eating white rice their whole life they don't have any access to other nutrients and so they develop a disease related to mm-hmm. B vitamin deficiencies right but what he's saying is we need to really broaden our spectrum and understand that it's the latent problems that are that are a bigger issue culturally in the united states over the course of decades having low vitamin D in a you know slightly low vitamin D over decades what does that do to our patients and it's to me, it was sort of like the conventional medical world looking at what we've been talking about all this time, mm. mm-hmm. which is whether mm-hmm. the effects of chronic nutritional deficiencies that aren't life-threatening. Right,
1: right. Yeah. And, you know, another thought, too, is you were talking about mitochondrial dysfunction before, and we have these functional imbalance scores on the front of front page of the new NutriVal, scores such as oxidative stress and the mitochondrial dysfunction and inflammation. So, like, how as a clinician do you explain some of these complicated concepts to patients like mitochondrial dysfunction?
2: Yeah, so for patients, um, I wouldn't say dumbing it down because you want to be articulate and use verbiage that sounds science but then you actually kind of want them to actually understand what you're saying and not <laughs> confuse them, right. you know? Right, right. And so yeah. I like to use the term cellular energy mm-hmm. okay? because everyone knows what cells are, uh-huh. kind of, but not really, yeah. but they know what energy is. Mm-hmm. And it's technically accurate, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can say cellular energy. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes I use the word metabolism. Um, We're looking at your metabolism here. Mm -hmm. Um, Because everyone, again, sort of is familiar with that term. And they know that it's important, although they may not be able to explain to you exactly what it means. And I think if you can stick with bigger picture terms like that, that makes sense. And then you're saying something like, well, we want to see is your metabolism damaged? Mm -hmm. is and everyone knows what damage means and so that one's easy to wrap your mind around or i'll go down the route of you know are you making enough cellular energy to fuel your heart and your brain and your muscles and whatnot and so bringing it down to areas like that where patients have a personal experience with um so for example if your brain doesn't get enough cellular energy you're going to be tired and have brain fog if your muscles don't get enough cellular energy you're not going to feel like charging out there and doing a five-mile run every morning, and that we want to restore these you know, normal function to these systems so that you have normal cellular energy. Or if it's more of a metabolic workup, talk about cardiometabolic and how the mitochondria relate to, to those kinds of body functions mm-hmm. in terms of fat burning or you know, protecting your cardiovascular system and whatnot. Yeah.
1: Have you noticed a change in just kind of the average patient and their ability to understand more and more some of these complex topics? I think about some of like the, you know, the, the biohackers that are really starting mm-hmm. to get into this sort of stuff. Like, like have you noticed on yeah. average a change in your patient population?
2: Yeah, I would say it's increased ever since the internet started, but it seems to be getting to a overcorrection point almost where, you know, patients often know more about their condition than the doctor does when they first call because they've spent months and months reading everything they can about it Mm -hmm. Um, or at least they think they do and i think that the that excessive amount of information doesn't necessarily lead the patient to figure out what they should do Mm -hmm. because they don't have access to the labs so they may be guessing that they have some neuroinflammatory problem but they may be wrong maybe it's you know, an arginine problem, mm-hmm. you know, it's just mm-hmm. almost, and then I think one of the things I've learned too, just about myself is that the more that I review and understand how the labs work, the less I trust my personal opinion based on signs and symptoms,
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: because I'm very rarely right. And that's the whole point of doing the labs. If I could just sit down and look at someone and know exactly that, They had an arginine deficiency and nitric oxide was a problem and they had ammonia buildup then i wouldn't have to do the testing but you can't really tell because there's so much symptomatic overlap Mm -hmm. in the kinds of things that are presenting and so i would say out of all my well-studied patients who come in with huge amounts of information it's maybe one in a thousand and that's being generous who know exactly what's going on with them and have already figured it out. I mean, basically, it never happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, I think they get so much information, they get confused and they try different treatments which may or may not partially help. And it ends up be working against them, I think, because they just delay the amount of time until they get proper care and do the labs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I often think about these patients. So they'll get something like the NutraVal. And oftentimes it comes back with a laundry list of nutritional needs for them, which can be overwhelming to them, especially if they have a lot going on with them clinically. So how do you help to prioritize those recommendations based on the results?
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest things is to sequence things, Mm. you know. And so I think there's two categories. There's subject areas that are like the most important things, let's say, people maybe argue about this a little bit, but they say gut infections are always up there or microbiome problems, right? Or um, chemical and heavy metal toxin-related issues. Those are usually like top of mind. You know, if you're a specialist, maybe you think more about mold or Lyme disease. But, you know, for most of the generalist type functional medicine docs, they're really thinking gut-related problems or toxin-related problems as being like primary. So then there's an illusion, and I think this is a, this is this works against practitioners that I, I need to treat the most important things first, mm. mm-hmm. that just goes bad. Number one, if the main problem with their microbiome is that they're stressed, they're in a bad marriage, and they're not eating very well, then even if you jump in and do the microbiome treatments early and you do some you know, clearing of Giardia or yeast overgrowth, you put them on all these enzymes, it's not going to really help the bigger picture because you haven't dealt with the lifestyle part yet. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. And even though the gut treatments may be the most important, you want to sequence it so you start with lifestyle. And it's the same thing if they have major phase 2 detox problems, and the whole buildup of metals and chemicals in their tissue, if you aggressively try to force all the metals and chemicals out before you improve their gut function or before you deal with their diet or before you get them on organic food, then you're going to, again, be doing the most important thing first, but maybe making them sicker even you know, from some kind of reaction to the detox process. So I think the sequencing that I try to teach in all my mentorship classes is... Neuroendocrine and lifestyle first, so that's thyroid, adrenals, mitochondria, brain, getting them feeling better and getting the lifestyle settled first for the first two months or more, and then going after the important areas, which would be either gut treatments or detox treatments, Mm. and putting the most important things in that second level is very hard for most practitioners because they see the labs and they want to jump in and do the gut treatment on day one, and it's just usually a little too early.
0: And it's it's true. And if you make the patient feel worse right off the bat, they're going to lose confidence in you and you're going to take them down the wrong path and they're just going to leave.
1: Well, and, you know, also the fact that if you're not getting to the root cause, you know, like you're saying with the root cause of the gut dysfunction, maybe being neuroendocrine, then you're you're just providing a Band-Aid at best.
2: Yeah, exactly. And those people come back once you've been doing this job for a while. You 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 know, I noticed it around year 4 or 5 of practice. Was my patients would be like, "Wow, 18 months ago I did your yeast program. You said your whole life had changed, you were so much better." And then she'd be like, "Oh yeah, but it came back and it's worse now." <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, <laughs> thanks for nothing. You know. <laughs> so that yeah, once you've been doing this for a while, you realize you if you don't start with the most important, if you don't start with certain things, and you jump to wanting to treat the things that are kind of more fun to treat, then you end up not really serving people that well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes
1: sense. Well, there's so many facets to consider on a nutritional evaluation, like the amino acids and the fatty acids and the organic acids. Um, When you're teaching the report at Kalish Institute, do you start with a certain section?
2: Yeah, I do, because this is how I was taught. And I'm not saying this is the best thing, but we start with organic acids. Mm Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, and really, really understanding organic acids at some deep level. Because I think then the other pieces fall into place pretty easily from that, mm-hmm. Which, you know. And But that's a big lift, right? Because that's starting with kind of the hard part.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's heavy biochemistry mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, and, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but that's kind of how we do it. Although, you know what we're doing now is I'm developing these short form courses for people that don't want to do the full year mentorship. And they're on the lighter subjects. I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's really lighter is Mm -hmm. a way to say it, but um, like we're going to have one just on amino acids and there's going to be one upcoming eventually just about fatty acids and antioxidants. So I think at the, if It depends on where the clinician is at, too, is what I've learned. If you for sure want to start a functional medicine practice and you're all in and this is your career, it's a very small segment of doctors, then you've got to master organic acids. So just get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just do it and get it out of the way. It's true. But if you're like, you know, I, th- I think I like this stuff. I'm not going to disrupt my entire life and give up my regular job to do it, but I want to start to learn about it, then I think you can start with things like, amino acids mm-hmm. or really learn the fatty acids mm-hmm. and get good at prescribing them and certainly do, you know, still help a lot of people without that same maybe 12 to 18 month learning curve that organic acids requires. It's true. Yeah.
0: And, you know, you have a lot of clinicians coming to you to help with lab interpretation. And so some of them have already been doing it for some time. What do you think are some of the biggest pitfalls that these clinicians fall into when they're trying to interpret a test like the Neutravel?
2: Yeah. Okay. It's like my pet peeve list now. Ooh. <laughs> Ready for that? Ooh. Okay. So number one, people underdose. Mm. Okay. Mm. And over, they overprescribe. They simultaneously overprescribe and underdose. Hmm. You wouldn't think you could do that at the same right. time, but people pull that off. Hmm. So what I mean by that is that they give everything that the test shows that the patient needs, mm-hmm. and none of it in the right therapeutic dose.
3: Hmm. Interesting. And that
2: doesn't really work very well. Yeah. I think of it like um if you've ever been to like a buffet mm-hmm. you know restaurant like like to make it even worse like an all you can eat buffet restaurant right yeah you know and so you see people whose plates are just overly full with all kinds of little different things right. yeah. that is not a really rewarding satisfying meal experience right? right if you go to some nice fresh french restaurant they give you like three courses and their little servings so it it turns out that Trying to cover everything without any kind of sense of priority or sequence doesn't work that well.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: then underdosing people, not getting them to a therapeutic dose, don't really move the needle. So people end up on too many supplements, but not with any kind of uh, sequence or focus behind it. And then patients get overwhelmed because they're just taking so many pills and it doesn't work and then they drop out.
0: Yeah. yeah. Pill fatigue. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, switching gears just a little bit. Last time you were on, we talked about the arms race that's happening regarding <laughs> the diet landscape, whether it be keto, vegan, carnivore, whatever. So one, th- this is just one modifiable lifestyle factor, the diet. And we don't seem to yell at each other as much when it comes to things like exercise and movement or stress reduction. How do you impart the importance of these other lifestyle factors to the clinicians you're teaching and their patients?
2: Well, my favorite line on that one is, you know, The diet is the most important lifestyle factor, except for exercise.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
3: And that,
2: you know, and I, when I, there's a long period of my career for about 10 years, I worked with a group of like 5,000 personal trainers, Hmm. but not like regular ones, like really fancy Uber ones that work with really fancy Uber people. Most of my practice during those years were either professional athletes in all kinds of different sports, anything from professional weightlifting to basketball, to soccer, to whatever, um, and a lot of endurance athletes, um, or they were you know, sort of uh, very, very fit, very, very wealthy people who just mm-hmm. exercised a lot, and, um, but exercised properly, right? And what I found in comparing those folks to the average functional medicine person is that – although NutriVal is a perfect example. You could run a NutriVal on someone who's an athlete who's properly trained – and even though their diet is horrific, and even though the Nutraval test looks like a living nightmare that you can't even believe, <laughs> right. you talk to them and, like, what's going on? And they're like, well, you know, my marathon times are down by about 30, 35 seconds this year. The first time I heard this from this one guy, this Brit, I almost started laughing. I thought he was joking. And then I realized, no, this is like serious. Like, this guy's running for two hours, but he cares about the last 30 seconds. You know? And, um, <laughs> that and i saw this over and over and over whether they're professional golfers or whatever their sport was if they had great muscle integrity and were very physically fit even with a bad diet and a horrible lab their 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 symptoms were minimal mm-hmm. you know and i take that same exact lab with a chronically ill person who's incredibly unfit and never exercised their entire life and they've got fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and their joints hurt and they're depressed, and that just woke me up to the reality that if you're not physically fit, eating well is not gonna help.
3: Mm.
2: Mm. It's just not. Yeah, You can't, you know what I mean? You can't yeah. eat really well and not exercise. It's just that equation does not work. Yeah.
0: Well, there you go. There's his vote, movement. Yeah. He, he chooses movement. Yeah. Well, I think we would be remiss if we didn't at least talk about the Kalish Institute because we know the Kalish Institute has been a pillar of functional medicine education in our field for so many years. What new and exciting programs can we expect in the coming year from the Kalish Institute?
2: Oh, thank you guys for that. Yeah, so we have a lot coming up. I've been working for about four years on a series of new courses. We're calling them boot camps Mm -hmm. because they're short and intense. They're all about two months long and they're um, a little less expensive, a lot less expensive than our typical you know, year long mentorship. So they're Mm -hmm. more affordable. And the first one that we're going to run is on amino acids and B vitamins, Hmm. a real deep dive into those two subjects, which I don't know, on the surface may not be like the most sound like the most exciting things, but there's so many therapeutic options that come out of Understanding amino acids and B vitamins mm-hmm. and then we're gonna have some, a future uh, Series that goes along with these boot camps. We're going to cover genomics And then we're gonna get into fatty acids and antioxidants and they're gonna be coming out serially in the next uh, You know, maybe 12 to 24 months, but I'm super excited about that because it's mm-hmm. a new level of work for me, too it's um, much more science-based, you know, I've been mostly teaching what to do in practice all these years. Mm-hmm. And now this new series of courses, we're really getting into the physiology so people understand the depth of the pathways and how these things really work in the body. And then also including the, um, the work that we do in the clinic. And so each one of these courses will have a series of lectures by Dr. Richard Lord, who's mm-hmm. one of our leading scientists, going mm-hmm. over the sciency part. Um, and if you haven't had heard, heard Richard speak, if some of the younger doctors may not know who he is even. Anyway, it's quite the experience, you know, when you hear Richard talk. <laughs> um, yeah, like, we've spoken to him. What did he him? just say? We've spoken to him. <laughs> right? You're like, what yeah. did he just say? In fact, I, there's, there's passages in his book that I, I, you can read, and you read one sentence, and you're like, okay, I'm just going to sit down,
0: <laughs> have a glass of wine, and think about that because there's like a lot going
2: on there. But um, anyway, so we have the science stuff there, and then my role in these courses is to do the, okay, now – this is how much arginine you use and for how long and what might the side effects be and that kind of thing mm-hmm. so um really trying to get into a low, um, not a, a sort of entry-level lab interpretation courses. That's like really the next initiative for us.
0: That's super yeah. exciting, and we're going to encourage exciting. everyone to check it out if you're new to functional medicine. And yeah. as always, it's just great to talk to you, Dan. But before we let you go,
1: yeah, I I do have one last question. Uh, it's what we yes. call the fireball. Wow. It's um, meant to catch you <laughs> off guard and stump you, hopefully. Uh, so the question <laughs> okay. I have for you is: Growing up as a wee lad, did you have like a favorite childhood? toy?
2: Hmm. Favorite (laughs) childhood toy. That's a really good question.
1: So like I was really big into the (laughs) Ghostbuster stuff. So just as an idea of like what. And mine was a globe. Patty liked a globe. (laughs) If that tells you anything about Patty.
2: (laughs) 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 Like, Oh, you know what I liked more than anything? What? I don't know if it's still around anymore, but that thing where it's um, got this big metal marble thing. Uh And then you have to try to put these two uh, metal sticks together to try to get it to come up. You know, this oh, is like oh, the like, yeah. average game you play? Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm making a physical motion yeah. that people can't my, see, but yeah. Michael
2: and I are doing it together. Yes, that <laughs> like, was my thing. That was oh, my jam. Funny. Back in <laughs> my 8 to 10-year-old phase. You know? <laughs> 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 well, uh, hopefully that
1: was good to bring that back into your forefront of your mind. I'm sure that was really well, I'm going to
2: go on Amazon as soon as we get off the call <laughs> and see if I can find it. It still exists out so, there. So <laughs> much
0: for the upcoming programs. He's going to be so busy playing <laughs> with this toy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well... Excellent. And again,
1: thank you so much, Dan, for being on with us again. Um, always appreciate your insight, your always wealth of information. Always great talking to you. And uh, hopefully we will we'll be talking again very soon. All right. Thank you. Well, that was fun.
0: It was fun. And Michael, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that you, in passing, just said that your favorite childhood toy was Ghostbusters gear.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I have like this... Complete picture of you running around with the little gun oh, yeah. and the whole outfit and the belt. I had all
1: of it, man. The holsters. I had, I had the firehouse, <laughs> had the backpack, uh-huh. had the Ecto <laughs> 1, wow. Slimer. Do
0: you still have it? I had a
1: trap. You like threw it on the floor and stepped on this thing and the trap opened.
0: Wow. I, what I wouldn't do to watch you as a little kid running around playing with that stuff. Do you still have any of it?
1: No, a tree fell on our house and it destroyed everything. What? True story.
0: That's not true. That
1: is a true story.
0: Wow, you just ruined a really. It fell. It fell right memory. on the
1: attic, right what? where all my childhood toys were.
0: See, that's an act of God, right there.
1: Now listen, this is how it went down. Okay. Uh huh. Middle of the night. Right. Huge crash. Boom. Wow. Sounded like a cannon went off. Went downstairs. Went into the garage, and literally there was like my toys falling from the ceiling. Wow. Onto like the cars.
0: All I have to say, God is not a fan of Ghostbusters. Or he just
1: wanted me to grow up. Perhaps. How does God feel about globes?
0: (laughs) He created the earth, so I'm sure he would love it.
1: (laughs) Next time on The Lab Report, Shay Leonard.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about a functional approach to mood disorders.
1: Some clinical pearls from the world of functional psychiatry.
0: You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net.
1: Patty, I don't know how to write this to you. What? I don't think a globe is a toy.
0: Well... It was a toy to me. We didn't have much. It was either the globe or a slinky or a pogo stick.
1: I mean, it spins, yeah. but it's it's also it's just a decoration.
0: But the spinning is fun.
1: It's like saying a book is a toy because it, is. it opens I love and closes. Yeah. They are, their books are great, but they're not toys. Wow. It's like saying an armoire is a toy because the drawers open and close.
0: You're just bitter because a, a tree fell on your house.
1: Yeah, a tree did fall on my house. And you know what? The globe didn't get destroyed.
0: Yikes. You know why?
1: Why? Because it was in the den. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha.